Hey, welcome to Wolf's Watch. I hope you have got something to write with. We have got a special guest today. We have someone who is a seven-time author, serial entrepreneur. He has been building businesses since 1982, and he has been through it all. He's been through great success. He has been through the global financial crisis that happened in 2008. You probably remember that. And, uh, you know, they had to start all over again, like many, like many of you did. Like You may have gone through that yourself. And he turned that into a book as well called, let me make sure I get this right for you. You know, sometimes chaos to reinvention. Sometimes I have my notes so perfectly done, I can't find anything. And I'm excited about having this gentleman, Jerry Eisenhower, who is the founder of CVC Success Group. And he has he has been a huge, and I'm checking my notes here to make sure I get this information right for you. Uh, he has been involved in all kinds of businesses, especially in the hearth and outdoor living space, but also blue. He's one of the people that really helps what's called, you know, called the blue collar trades. He's worked in other businesses as well. I'd help with, with uh, those that are building businesses around what we used to, used to call the blue collar trades, the professionals that really make stuff happen for your home, for your living that can't be replaced, can't be outsourced as well, which is really cool. Please welcome Jerry Eisenhower. Jerry, thanks for being with us today. Good afternoon, Jeffrey. You know, I always love to go on broadcast and always want to be a morning DJ. You remember when Robin Williams was making Good Morning Vietnam and he was Good Morning Vietnam. Yes, yeah. brother. So listen, I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, and I appreciate you. I know you, we were talking during the pre-show. You're flying all over the country working with clients. Uh, and I appreciate you working us into your, you know, working the show into your in your busy schedule. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. You know, you, you wrote the book about chaos and, and recovering from that. That seems more, you know, more applicable today with what's going on. How, how did you find the recipe for being able to make a business work, to be able to build it and scale it despite the chaos that's going on around us? Well, Jeffrey, you know, you know, one of the first things you got to do is, you have to learn, learn to learn from your failures. And that's one of the things I did. A lot of times I call myself one of the most huge failure stories that's ever been because basically lost everything. I lost some businesses, lost my home, had to start all over from the bottom and restructure and build a new business. And what you've got to do is learn to learn from those that have failed. But many times we just cannot undergo that pain of change. If we look at it, change is painful and we all got to make a choice in life. Do we want to undergo yep. that pain of change or do we want to stay in the same pain we're in? So a lot of my story is learning from my failures in life. And that was what the book Chaos to Reinvention was all about. It was about telling about the failures that I had in life and coming up with the reasons and why and tracing back to why did I fail in some of those pursuits, if that makes sense to you. Absolutely. Absolutely does. And I was, I always like the analogy of bungee jumping. You know, it's like change is like jumping off a bridge and asking someone to do something different, you know, it triggers the same response. You know, it's just like, what? It's a different level, but it's, it's hard to, yeah. it can, it can go everywhere from, I really don't like this to just watching people freeze the first time that they bungee jump and they get stuck on the side of the bridge. Yeah. They can't get back to safety and they can't let go to let the process play out, even though they know that's going to be safe as well. 
Right. And we can look at the simple things in life. Something as simple as just putting your pants on in the morning. I will guarantee you that you probably put the same leg in your pants every day when you get dressed. And just think for a minute, how hard would it be for you to change that habit? Because that's what happens. We get habits formed and then transitioning into something else. It's a really difficult proposition for any human being. Change is yeah. difficult. It is. It is. It, it, so with um, tell us more about CVC Success Group. How did that start? Okay, so what we started out with, like I said, in 2010, as detailed in the book, we took a financial crumble. I mean, really big time wow. in 2010. And I had to find, it was like finding something else to do. I had been self-employed for a number of years and things had actually been pretty good up until that financial crisis when we learned something at that point, which is the, the frailty of being bank funded because I was. Because if the bank says tomorrow, hey, we got to have all this money back, what you going to do? And we were faced with that. We were given five days to come up with $1.3 million. Which five was days. Five days. Holy cow. And this was in 2009, 2010, which getting an appointment with a banker in six months was difficult. And then putting together what they call a deal, which is your funding, that can take mm -hmm. six to months to 12 months. So all of a sudden we were faced with this and basically I was out of business. I watched them sell homes. I watched businesses go away, watched all kinds of bad things happen that I never imagined could happen to you. So from this point, it's like I'm, I'm try trying to run through my mind. Okay. What are you going to do now? You're 57 years old. You're 57. So what are you going to do at this point? And I w went to an industry uh, convention and I won an industry award. It was from the National Chimney Sweep Guild. And I won what was called the Lifetime Achievement Award there. And it'll be given two times in the history of the association. Man. You were the second re recipient in, in the whole history of the organization? In, the, in over almost 40 years, I was the wow. second recipient. And to this day, it's only been given three times, okay? Wow. Because I poured my heart, my soul into that association and building that up. So anyway, I've gone through this massive failure. And I had a really good friend, and his name is John Meredith. And John said, I want to have breakfast with you and Cheryl. Cheryl's my wife tomorrow morning. So we sat down and he said, Jerry, what are you planning on doing? I said, well, John, I really don't know. You know, we're up against the wall. We're flat busted. We got no funds. We can't go anywhere. And John said something to me then that invigorated me to move forward. And he said, Jerry, you need to become a coach. You, these guys need your help. You've been doing this for years from a volunteer standpoint, and you need to become a coach of other people. And Jeffrey, I had no idea at that point, even what coaches did or what they were, but all of a sudden it gave me a new way to pursue stuff. So from that day forward, that's what we did. We started hanging our sheet, our shingle at first. We named our company uh, chimney and bending consultants because we were in the hearth industry and we changed okay. that to CBC coaching a couple years later oh. when we saw we were going to be doing coaching. And then as I added other people to the team and we became a group, we started marketing ourselves at CBC success group, which is how we market ourselves today. So the CBC actually goes all the way back to the chimney and bending consultant days when that was a brand that we had, which I actually still use that brand in certain things that we do, but the CBC was what was branded. That's what we're known by. If somebody says, 
CVC, they know instantly if they're in our niche market, they're talking about us. And now you're national. Oh yeah. We were national right from the beginning because, Oh, okay. Okay. We had, and because we had a certain niche there, see one of the things that is the most difficult there is, if you're going to become a consultant, it's to become a coach or anything like that. It's for you to be recognized. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. I was already recognized. I had been teaching and training in these industries since 1984. I had been president of educational foundations of trade associations, both on the state, regional and national level. So there was not a problem with me having to market me. I didn't have to build up a following. We had the following. And that was the, that was what is so tough when you go in this business is how do you build that following? Well, in the niche, niche, whatever you call that, we are well known. If you're listening to this and if you call a local chimney sweep that that's an area we specialize in and say, I heard Jerry Eisenhower, I will bet you he will know who I am and what I do. Wow. That's great. It is. It's a significant that's benefit. But see, mm -hmm. that's what people have to do, Jeffrey. They have to become what's known as a authority in their community. And the community is defined as two segments. Number one, it is the people that will buy from you. And number two, it is the people that may buy from you. Okay. That's who you're reaching out to. It's like when we're doing this broadcast today, what we're doing is we are reaching out to the community that you're dealing with, which is the people that buy from you or may buy from you. Okay. And that's where mm -hmm. you've got to speak with your expertise into those niches that you know. So how, how does, what would your advice be on the first couple of steps for someone to take that doesn't have that recognition? Okay. What are they going to become? That's my question. Okay. What would, I mean, that's a question to you. Oh, what does this person want to become? What's their goal? So say they're built, they're, they're uh, expanding their business. They're okay, looking they're, at what's going on and they see opportunity. They want to expand their business with it. It's how to, how to build that recognition to have better market reach. Okay. So building a business, do. actually, I wrote a book about that. It's called the small business owner's guide. And small I wrote business owners to okay. other experts in the industry and in the small owner and the small business and the business owner's guide. And here's a copy of it right there. I wrote this with two people. One was a, financial expert and the other was a human resources expert and much of my expertise is in operations okay so in this we define this as do you, are you are you going to market with a new form of a mousetrap or are you inventing the mousetrap so what you've got to do is is which are you going for and then you've got to be able to talk about and why it is a benefit to the potential customer the person that's in your community because okay. people buy for two reasons, Jeffrey, they buy from an aspect of pain. 70% of people who are going to buy from you are going to be in pain. They are trying to eradicate that pain. 30% of people who buy, they're going to buy because they have a desire. So if a person has a desire to grow their company and they want to scale it to a larger aspect, one of the things I want to know is why do you want to do this? What is your purpose in doing this? Is it for more money? Is it for 
a trophy on the wall, which to be honest with you, that's what a lot of people build. They build something that is a, huh. let's say a bragging right. Look what I've done. Okay. Now exactly. they have the yeah. return from it. No. So some people are going to build a business because they want to become that trophy. Often we see people that build something and their actual net return drops because they're actually not making the return that they did before. Or really? Take, yes. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. We see people that can double the size of their workforce that their actual, their uh, taking, their salary doesn't go up and their profit level actually drops. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it happens because, and what happens is, they don't build the correct model to deliver the return. So if they're looking at this business and that's the question, okay, you want to do this, but again, what's your purpose in business? Why are you in business? Is it because you want more control over your life? Is it that you want more free time with your family? What mm -hmm. do you enjoy doing? Are you a visionary? Are you an implementer? Which, what is this here? So you got to get down and it's all about finding out the why the why you want to do this, because if you don't know the why, how are you going to get there? It's like taking a vacation. Well, you live in LA. Somebody says, well, I'm going to go to right. Disney World, Disneyland, where you're at for me, it's Disney World in Florida. So yeah. if they're going, my question would be, well, what do you hope to obtain from this? Is it a lifetime experience with your kids? Is it an opportunity you just want to go there? You have to have that objective. And what do you want to gain out of doing this? Mm. It's always crucial to, to understand and have a specific purpose. It is. And most people, they don't actually know their why. It's, it's a really big thing. And a lot of times they don't have the energy to actually pursue the why. Running a business is not easy. Running a business mm -hmm. is stressful. Running a business can tax everything you have. And depending on your employees, building your systems, making everything where it works properly, where everything flows, where you don't have fumbles and bad handoffs and you don't have waste where the money is going out. All of this is hard work and it takes a true dedication, not only of funds, but also of time, energies and actual brain power to get there. Mm -hmm. it, it requires being out of balance, focused on the business at different seasons. Yes, it does. Wow. And often, and, and again, you see a lot of people and they build a business and then they actually build the business where they are miserable. Okay. They have built something. It's kind of like the old uh, adage, you got what you wanted, but now you really don't know what to do with it. Or another mm -hmm. one is you got a tiger by the tail and you don't know how to control this tiger. The tiger is controlling you. You've lost your personal life. You can't have time with your family. You're going to go out and you're just, you're just blowing your life away. And are you truly having fun? Because I define success in the following way. Are you happy? If you're not happy, you're not successful. If you could have the most successful business in the world, you can achieve all these different things. But are you truly happy? What is it that will make you happy? Again, Jeffrey, it goes down to the why. The why is all important here. Yes. And happy isn't always about money. You know, I hear, hear, hear the saying, money can't buy you happiness. It's usually somebody that's been broke all their life that says it. Yeah. But uh, it can certainly set the stage for being able to explore 
happiness. It's, it, the best way I heard that framed uh, that, that I resonated with was like, yeah, that can get eight to money can take eight to nine of the problems that are really messing with your happiness in life off the table. So you can focus on the one or two that money can't solve. Right. And you got to go back again. Why are you self-employed? Why do you want to do this? What's your purpose? And so many people don't understand what that purpose is. And they work for years and years. And then there comes that day and they're looking back. I mean, I'm 69 years old. I can look over a lot of lifespan behind me and I can look at that. And what were the things that I did in this 69 years that truly made me happy? What were the things that I did that I can smile about, that I can say, hey, that's an accomplishment. It's like working with my clients. I'm a coach. So is it all about the money? No, it's not. It is all about the satisfaction of looking on my wall. Because if you were in my office right now, there's a wall over there that's blank. But in my mind, what do I see is the clients that are reaching their personal dreams in life and they're now living their dreams. On this wall over here, I see the wall of the people that are hung that cannot make the change of where they need to go to. They mm. can't firing the gun, but they yeah. don't get it ready and they don't aim it and they don't fire. Okay. And it's yes. just different people. We watch clients that move at what I call an astronomical speed. They are here and they're going to here and they're going up. I've got other ones that come to here and it's, it's like they're in this. It's like sometimes it takes five, seven years and all of a sudden the fuse gets lit and they start taking off. But it is a constant thing that they have to work towards what do they want to obtain in life? What is their why? That's what everybody's got to ask herself. And I would ask anyone listen to us, what is your why yeah. for what you're doing? You know, it's like, it's like people working in a job. And actually, I have a really hard time in, in intermingling socially with someone that will say, I hate my job. I hate my boss. But why are you there? Why are you staying? Exactly. If you truly hate this job. If you hate this boss, if you hate what you're doing, let me tell you something. You only got so many days on God's green earth and you better find something you can do to make mm. you happy. If you do a little yes. simple math and look at the days that you have left, well, if you look at the average age span today, you know, you're going to be in the mid eighties that people are probably living to. So one of the exercises, see where you're at today and how many days are left between between now and when you reach your 85th birthday, which is probably where your lifespan may end. That's how many days you have left to accomplish what you want to accomplish in life, to live the dreams that you hold dear. Mm. That, I, I want to shift gears a little bit because you you reminded me of something that was that was a a big change for me. I was at a, a client's holiday party and my client's wife came over and said, you know, we really appreciate the work that you're doing with him because things have changed so much at home. And so, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know exactly what you, what you do when you get, when you guys get together, but just really wanted to let you know how big of an impact it's having because our family life has gotten better and it shifted how I thought about what I was doing. Yeah. I still get a little choked up saying that because it's just like I had never even thought about that type of an impact and I wanted to ask how because you've gone from <clears throat> building multiple businesses service businesses manufacturing companies to you know being heavily involved in the industry that you're at you you, you helped 
shift the industry's uh, focus into outdoor living spaces, expand beyond where uh, where they really traditionally sold. And now you coach other successful entrepreneurs. How the, the question is, how has your the way you've thought about your role and what you do shifted? Oh, and tremendously. Advanced, could you could you share a little bit on that? Because yeah, and I see could, that in the size of business, but also in the role within the business. Right. And I can tell you why the spouse said what they did, because the person that they live with had no one to listen to. If you talk mm -hmm. a lot of times, it's very hard. And one of the biggest skills you can learn is how to listen and shut up. OK, I have found that if people can simply have the opportunity, don't interrupt them, let them pour their heart and soul out to you. They really know the answers down deep inside. And it's a matter of being able to express, get out those fears that's blocking them, whatever the roadblocks are, and they talk it out. And you're a person that is listening to them. So by you listening to them, the client gets that mentor that they're needing, the person that can sit there and let them talk and help them yeah. derive the answer they need to go with. Because again, it's never what the coach wants. It's what the client wants. And yes. the job of the coach is to help the client derive the information, the knowledge, and the strength to go do what it's doing. I mean, and chances are you may be celebrating victories for that person. You may be pumping them up and telling them how great you are. I mean, what's happening and how they are amazing you with the movement they're making and what they do. And that's why a lot of times you'll find a spouse is so happy because instead of them being the sounding board and they're tired of hearing it, they're just like slap up tight. I mean, how often do you want to hear your spouse complain about their job, complain about their employees, complain about their conditions, mm -hmm. complain? You don't want to hear this. And so now by having. And, and where's their relationship at that point, right? Right. That's, that's it. So do you take that the relationship comes out of the toilet because now you've provided a listening ear that can learns how to shut up. And that's one of the hardest things to do. Um, you know, one of the things that we advise everybody <clears throat> to do, Jeffrey, do you know what DISC assessment is? D-I-S-C. Yes. Yes. I am a high I, high D with almost no S and C. Okay. So one of the Try things <laughs> It's the first thing that a person has to do. And we start every relationship this way with a disc assessment oh, of the individual okay. and also of their leadership team. And what we're in the disc assessment that tells us about their behavior patterns, the way they are. You may not believe this, but I'm a pretty high D. Would you guess that part when you talk, when I'm talking that I'm a high D here? Okay. Oh, you could knock me over with a feather. There you go. So I'm a high D. So one of my hardest even, things. Even, so as, as you're watching this, if you're familiar with Jeffrey Gittimer, even Jeffrey Gittimer says Jerry Eisenhower is very direct, no BS. So as a high D, Jerry, absolutely. That's right. So one of the hardest skills for me to learn, Jeffrey, is simply the skill of listening. I actually had to go through coaching classes and be able to shut my mouth and not say a word and let people get their things out. And see, this is one of the problems. If a, one human being interrupts another human being, it is the most highly insulting thing that you can do to a person. It is also one of the most frustrating things you can do. It's just like now when we're doing this broadcast interview, 
We can't interrupt each other. If we do, it throws the whole thing off. I've got to listen for you and know when it's time for me to talk and the same token, you have to do the same. You're sitting there in the background right now while I'm talking, you're off the screen, but I know you're right there. And what you're doing, you're allowing me to get my words out. And until I get done, you're going to sit there very patiently. And once I complete my speeches, my sentence, speech, whatever you want to call it, then it's knows your time to talk. Well, and that was something that I learned in consulting. If, if I didn't learn anything else, it was the power of being able to ask a couple well-placed questions and then listen and take notes. Mm -hmm. And see, taking notes, you just hit a big one right there. If you realistically want to increase your sales, if you want to actually see people buy into what you're saying and give you utmost respect, you are taking notes. And the reason you're taking notes is going to be a little bit lucrative. It doesn't mean that I'm taking the notes to remember what you're saying. The reason I'm taking the notes is when someone is writing down what you're saying, that is the biggest form of flattery you can give a person when what they're saying is so important that you wrote it down. We even teach this in our sales classes. And I, I was just writing that down as you're watching this. That was a writer downer. So hopefully right. you're taking notes. Right. So what you do is a person is talking. Well, when a customer is talking to you, if you are taking notes, you have just given them a high compliment because what that means is what you said was so important that someone had to make a note of. They wrote it down. It's like if I'm teaching a class, whenever I see people take a note and write it down, that's just a great big compliment. Like, hey, I'm saying something that they consider to be a value. Now, they might not be writing anything worthwhile. They could be playing gibberish. They might be scribbling, but whatever. That's the way I take that whenever someone is taking notes when I'm speaking. Yes. It, and I want, um, coming back to, to as, like with the companies, well, I've got like 10 questions that I want to ask at one time. It's <laughs> You can't ask 10 questions at one time, Jeff. No, let, let me try one. Let me try one first. Uh, as you're working with entrepreneurs, as their company grows, how, how does their role shift? Okay. This is one of the things we firmly believe that when a company starts, part of the process is that you build a, a, a program, a strategy, a strategic plan of where you're going. And this strategic plan should include an organizational chart or short, we call it the org chart. So what the org chart lists, the org chart lists every position within the company. Now, when you're starting out and your staff with just yourself or other people, you're going to find your name in numerous places on that org chart. So as you bring other people in, you got to figure out who is better than you at these certain things. And what do you really want to do in the business? And you got to push yourself into it because here's the thing. A lot of us think we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. If there's a function in our company, I'm the best sales guy. I'm the best production guy. I'm the best finance guy. And all I can say to that is bullshit. Okay. There's people that can do many things better than you. So what mm -hmm. you've got to do as the company grows is figure out where do you want to be in the company? What is your role? Is your area going to be marketing? Is it going to be sales? Is it going to be product production work? Is it going what, what, where is the role that you have the most skill for? And number two, what do you truly want to do? 
because mm. the business, there's yeah. so many hats to wear this day and time. That's and this is what you want to do is grow that business to the point that other people can take that responsibility off of your lap and put it into theirs. And chances are they might just be better at it than you are. If you look at this, you can find people that are experts in their areas. And that's what you got to be looking for. You got to always be looking and recruiting for the right people on your team that can take you to the level that you want to go. But uh, uh, let me me jump in real quick, because that pushes a fear button for me in terms of, you know, you're, you're implying that I need to surround myself with people that are a lot better than I am. You're going to, you're going to be successful. If you take the leadership of our country, the president, let's take the president of the United States to be an effective leader. He better be surrounding himself with subject matter experts that are experts in these areas that need the expertise in. So that's, that's where it's all about, but where the, where the rubber meets the road is every business owner has to do the following. He has to inspect for what he expects. And this is commonly what doesn't happen. A person is not looking and they're not inspecting for what they expect. They just turn it over to someone. Well, this is where, if you learn to look at the finances of the building, the QuickBooks. A lot of people think that the QuickBooks are just the amount of money that's in the bank account. But if you look and you set your systems up right, you're going to know where your money's coming from. You, this is what we call knowing your numbers. Where mm. is the customer yes. that you that that generates you into a profit-making mode? And this is again where, as you turn these jobs over and you turn responsibilities over, the one job you can never ever turn over is the inspection. You must inspect for what you expect. Otherwise, you're gonna end up in a world of hurt at some day because people will fail you. Mm. Powerful, always keeping on top of the numbers. It is, well, that's a big one. People turn it over to someone else, but they forget that aspect. So that's what we try to share in As we put a business plan together, no matter where this business goes, you're going to have to expect for, you know, inspect for what you expect as you go through. If you're not looking at the numbers and deriving why it's happening, where is it coming from? What is driving your sales? What's the keywords? What's the, what's the trends? What are, if it's a consumer-based business, what are the trends in that business that people are looking for? You mentioned before, I am in what we call the hearth industry. That would be the fireplace industry, the chimney business, other things. So one of the things I did, I write a lot of articles. So about two weeks ago, I wrote an article and it was all entitled, Make the Trend Your Friend. And this was knowing what the trends were in your business, but also what is the trends amongst your customers and what they're looking for. So in the fireplace business, I did a little bit of research. And what I found out was the top 10 things that a consumer is looking for in a fireplace, such as a trend right now is long and linear looks. That's where they're short and they're narrow. We also have a trend towards multiple fuels. It's a fireplace, it's ability to burn gas and burn wood. It's also what's called a frameless fireplace. So when you look at the fireplace, you don't see a lot of metal around the fireplace. It's more of the facade, the brick, the stone, Mm -hmm. whatever the finishing material is. But knowing what the trends are. 
that's where you make the trend is your friend. If you look at what's going on and you can see this, and this is often what we do in swap meetings. We go in the swap meetings with companies and that's looking at the strengths, the weaknesses, the okay. opportunities and the threats. Thank so you. what we're looking at in the threats are what is out there on the horizon that could be this debilitating to the company. You have to be aware of these. Just two years ago, how many of us got caught with our pants down in March of 2020 yep. with COVID? At the same time, if you think back, that was starting to be predicted in the year, year before in December. I can even remember when COVID was released with a vengeance in March of 2020. And the reason I remember this date, I was actually in New Orleans and we had no idea what was getting ready to happen. And by Wednesday of that week, we thought the world was going to shut down. In fact, oh, we wow. had people that were wondering if they were, if the airlines were still going to be running later that week, people were actually getting out of town, getting on flights and checking rental cars to get home because we were in that kind of a fear it, and, and, and because it just hit with this vengeance all at once. It was in the middle of, of uh, the middle of uh, March in 2020 mm -hmm. it hit with a vengeance. And we know what happened after that. The whole world turned upside down over the next two to three months. Every single day, I'd love to turn on CNN. And all I heard was Governor Cuomo from New York every single day was on CNN. And he was given the numbers for the people that were passing away right at that moment that day from COVID. And we remember what all we went through, what flights, and now how things have turned. You know, airplanes couldn't get nobody on them for a while. Now you look at it, airlines are being oversold. They don't have enough pilots. We're still dealing with the lingering effects of COVID today. It makes for a tough environment. I'm watching the time in... I know you've got a hectic schedule and I promised to, that we'd, we'd wrap up on time. We're just barely scratching the service. Hey, I'm good with you, brother. You, you It's your call. Um, if we could go just, just a couple more minutes. I'm, I'm good with you, Jeffrey. Don't worry about it. If you've got questions or something we can assist people with, let's keep rolling. Well, what, what have you been doing now? I mean, with, okay. with so COVID shutting we, everything down, now it sounds like things are back to really being a, a hectic pace. Okay, so things that we do now in 2017 are actually, when I was going through certification training with Jeffrey Gitmer back in 2011, I first saw virtual learning platforms, okay? Now, back in 2011, to be honest with you, we didn't have the money to fund a virtual online educational platform. However, things changed. We became able to do this, and it's much less costly to establish this. So in 2017, I remember something from Jeffrey Gittimer and Jeffrey told us why he was doing his certification, that the certification class was his legacy. He was 70 years old and he wanted to leave something. So in 2017, we started developing our own online education platform. It's called the CBC Virtual Academy. And at this point, I have uploaded, believe it or not, 770 courses to that platform. Whoa. It's in, yeah, 770. 770. 770 courses, and they vary in length anywhere from a couple minutes that I have some courses that are 16 hours on there. So this was all an opportunity to, to, to build Jerry's legacy. Also, when this 
came out, when things started going bad, like we saw, we started doing virtual online training. We built, in fact, I'm sitting in my office, the next room over, that is our broadcast studio that we can broadcast live and we can host hundreds of people on an online training seminar right from our location. We don't have to go anywhere to do it. It's all sitting here. There takes four computers. Wow. Us. I've got multiple televisions that we can see. I can see 49 people on each of those screens and there's four of those screens set up. Holy there. cow. And we can, and we, and it's interactive. So we've been doing that. Uh, mm -hmm. Since COVID started, I have rolled out, I've rolled out two books since COVID started, and I've got one in the hopper right now that's going to be released hopefully in the next few weeks. So continue to write. I continue to write articles every month. I do my own broadcasts on Fridays. We have what's called the Chimney and Fireplace Success Network. That's broadcast out to our niche. And then we also do a second broadcast. It's called the Fireplace Show, and it's broadcast, and it's intended for consumers to give them helpful information about their fireplaces or wood stoves or gas logs, those kind of things. And we continue to do our analysis work. We continue to work with our clients. In other words, we stay pretty busy, believe me. Yes, that without a doubt. <laughs> Holy cow. I'm still thinking 700 plus courses. Wow. What a, what a major shift. How, how were you able to successfully uh, shift into a hybrid mode where you still do live when, when possible, but also uh, a lot online? It's just the only difference is to me, I don't have the audience sitting here. It's just like right now. Okay. okay. We, you and I are talking on the broadcast. Okay. And what yeah. we're doing is we don't know how many people may be watching this. We don't know how many people will watch the replays. And I don't worry about it. a lot of times. If you're hosting the show, if you're like me, you're looking at that number counts up at the left or upper left-hand corner a lot of times and you're wondering, okay. But what we find out is they stay up and we get a lot more play on the replays than we do the live casting. Okay. So mm -hmm. from that state, the only difference in doing it live or doing it virtually is I don't have to go get on a plane. I don't have to drive somewhere. I don't have to make a reservation. I don't have to run a car. I just Amen. walk downstairs. <laughs> I click a button. And then we, you know, the video people, they turn everything on and we're ready to rock and roll. That is incredible. It certainly makes it possible to reach more people with less hassle. Yes, it does. Plus, you know, so many people are scared to travel. So it took to traveling. One of the things that we did when in 2020, we saw that education and training, people couldn't attend live classes. So as a contribution to the industry for three months, we put on three free two-hour trainings every week for three wow. months. And we didn't okay. charge a dime. We just allowed people to attend that, that were in the industry. It was our way of helping people because they had people that were stuck in homes, that at home couldn't go to work. So it was our way to try to help train these people during this period of significant downtime. Yes. And William Schaefer, thanks for being part of the conversation. Wanted to say hi back. It's, um, you know, this is, as you're watching this, this is live 21st century television, right? Live and interactive. So bring your questions, bring your notes. And, you know, part that, of the conversation. that's the great thing about today. Okay. 10 years ago, we could not, we didn't have the technology and we didn't have the funding 
to do something like you and I are doing 10 years ago would have cost yeah. a tremendous amount of funding. And you and I also had to learn how to function. We are using a program called StreamYard. Well, we had to learn how to make use of StreamYard because this is doing in both a live broadcast and it's also going to be in a podcast. Well, that took some technology shifts for you, I'm sure, just like it did for me to learn how to do these type things. And also it took me finding virtual assistants to do a lot of this. Like we have a virtual video guy. We have a virtual mm -hmm. audio guy. We never see these people. We just send them what we need. And then we get a bill from them for their services they're rendered. And they do great work. And they do great work. That's right. They do because you know, there's there's the longstanding uh, so many of us are used to. And I know it was a big shift for me when I started working more virtual in virtual mode. Uh, but there's that that tendency to want to have people in the office or on the job site that don't necessarily um, have to be there. How do entrepreneurs make that shift? Well, number one, there's two classes of people. Some people cannot work alone. In other words, working from home is not something that suits everybody. If you look at a younger population, look at how they gather with their laptops at a Starbucks coffee shop or other places where they got to be around yeah. other people. Actually, I had, I actually rented an office or office space in what I called a millennial office for two months one time. And this was what they called shared office space. It was downtown in Concord where I live. So they had this place that you shared the workspace. So you went in and there was a big long table in there and you had separate rooms you could go in or whatever. So what I did for two months, I went and observed how these people operated in here oh. and where they were productive when they were around other people. Now, that kind of person does not function well in a virtual office setting because they have to be around people for some reason. Now, I'm the opposite. If you came right now, I'm talking from the lower level of my home. The entire lower level is all for my office, my studio, my classroom. Nobody else exists down here. And this is where I work at all day down here by myself. And I don't want anybody coming in here, nobody to bother me unless they've been invited. So, and upstairs, Cheryl, my wife, she runs a manufacturing company, but she also works in our coaching business and she does hiring for people. So she's doing virtual interviews all day upstairs in her office. Well, that's her floor up there. I may go up there and get something at lunchtime. I may go up and grab a sandwich or something like that. But again, that's her space. But I, I function better. I get more done when I'm by myself than having someone in my space. That's my personality. Well, that's the personality of what you're looking for. And these are the things that your disc assessment can tell you. And that's, oh, that's what we suggest to everybody. If you're going to hire somebody, have their disc assessed so you understand what their behavior patterns are. Because in order to effectively lead someone, you have to understand that person. And for a person, I'm of the baby boomer generation, okay? I'm in my late 60s. So being able to understand someone in their mid-20s, that's a significant generation gap. And the thinking is completely different. When you look at it, the television shows that we grew up with, completely different of what's going on. When I was a kid, hey, we had Dobie Gillis. We had Hogan's Heroes. 
We had the Beverly Hillbillies. We had Gunsmoke. We had all that. And when you get in the younger generations, you know, we had the MTV generation and the other thing today. Today, we have the Twitter, the Twitter and all the various social media generations today. We didn't have years ago. But understanding other people, you can never lead someone to you understand them. Mm, powerful. Very powerful. Jerry, we're, uh, we need to wrap. Okay. And love this. Hopefully we could do this again because we really did just scratch the surface. You've got so much knowledge right. and, and wisdom to share. Well, brother, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. If you ever want to have me back, let's just set the dates up. Like I said, I travel, make that happen. Lot, as you know, and fitting in. You know, the thing about this, you need to be in your office. You can't do this from an airplane and you can't effectively do it from a hotel room. Yeah, this is true. This is true. But um, so how, how can people get in touch? We have your, your email address. Yeah. And go on. Go on. the best way is by email. You can also go to our website, which is cb6successgroup.com. I also have a personal website, which is jerryeisenhower.com. Tells you a lot about me. My books, they are all on Amazon if you want to order any of them. Like I said, at this, we've I've written eight at this point. My ninth one's getting ready to come out. Some of wow. these are singular efforts. Some of them are collaborative areas. Like the one I've got coming out this month, it's, it's a safety manual for home service technicians, and it goes through all the steps to be safe in a working environment. So this is written with one of my clients. We actually did a safety seminar that was like a five-hour seminar. Then we wow. transcripted that, and we're turning that into a book. So you actually have the training seminar and the, and the book itself. Because one of the problems is uh, blue collar home service is a dangerous occupation, Jeffrey. Uh, yes, I have several friends that they have had employees that have actually suffered fatalities. One mm. suffered a injury to his head and he was instantly killed. I had another one that his employee was electrocuted. Uh, believe it or not, during fog, whenever that a lot of people don't know this, but electricity can travel from your house circuit through fog. So he was on metal yep. scaffolding and the electricity arc from the electric service to the house and traveled mm. through the fog and then electrocuted him. Yikes. Yeah, we saw some of that, some of those types of, of things working with lot with high powered equipment in manufacturing. Yeah, it truly is. You look right now, it's like there's a race car driver, Kurt Busch, and he had a uh, head injury like five weeks ago. He's not being cleared to race again because the risk of another head injury. And head, yeah. you know, that's the number one danger from a fall is going to be a head injury. When you fall off a ladder, a head injury is that's the number one long term. And if you injure your head, you might be getting coloring books for Christmas for the rest of your life. Yes. Yes. Safety is a huge issue. Jerry, yes. thanks so much for being with us today. And as you're watching this, William, thank you. Learned a lot. Yes, I did too. And as you're watching this, you see me look down every once because I was taking notes. Hopefully you are too. Yeah. Always gold nuggets that you can apply in your business and life when, when talking with Jerry. Okay. Jeffrey, thank you very, very much for the privilege and the honor to be here with you today. Likewise, I feel the same way. It's an honor to have you on the show. And as you're watching this, thank you so much for being part of Wolf's Watch. I'm Wolf. This has been Wolf's Watch, and I'll see you on the trail.